You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey, Downers. Welcome back to the show. Today we're going to talk to Aaron Sprinkle, but we're not going to talk very much about microphones or chords or guitars or Pro Tools or anything like that. I'm going to talk to Aaron today about his diet. Uh, We did a podcast a while back on the labeled podcast that I do, which is the Tooth and Nail podcast. And I had noted on there, since he's moved to Nashville and lives there, I hadn't seen him a lot. And when I'd seen him recently, he just looked so healthy and vital and alive. And it was just thrilling to see because I've seen him be unhealthy before. And uh, maybe I've Lack, uh, failed to mention here who Aaron Sprinkle is. He's a good friend of mine. He is my, uh, basically my mentor for learning a lot of stuff about recording and audio production. He's a producer. He produced a lot of the Emory records and tons and tons of famous uh, records and tooth and nail, millions of albums he's sold of, of, of records that he's produced. Uh, and he's taught me a whole, whole bunch about music, but I also listened to him talk about food. He also has always been way into food and restaurants and diet and cooking. And that's something that I'm interested in a little bit as well. And I've always learned a lot from him. So come to find out, Aaron has been eating low carb, high fat for, for a year and a half. And that's why he's doing so well and he's so healthy. And so I thought, ooh, it'll be fun to catch up with him because I've been into that. And you guys know I've, I've been into keto diet a bit uh, and have probably converted a lot of people to eating ketogenic. And uh, it seems to be going really good, although I'm in a period of eating poorly right now. I'm looking forward to getting back to eating keto and, and low carb. It's a lifestyle that I really like and Sprinkle gets into stuff pretty heavy. So I thought it'd be fun to talk to him and just do it on air instead of catch up offline. thought you guys might get a kick out of that and hear, hearing him talk and hear a personal story a little bit with, with how diet works and affects him, stuff like that. So anyway, this is uh, that's the conversation we're going to have today. Uh, one other thing I want to tell you about is there is a new book that my other friend, Aaron Lunsford, who also does the labeled podcast with me, and Aaron's the drummer of As Cities Burn. Aaron is a writer, and he's written an entire book on Emory, which is my band. I know I'm having to do a lot of explanation here, but Emory is my band, and Aaron is the world's expert in that. He spent a ton of time on tour with us. He's uh, tour managed us, worked for us, played uh, with us, and done a bunch of different stuff. So he's kind of the world's foremost back stage behind the scenes expert on Emory, the dynamics, the people in the band, how it works. And he's written a whole book about it. And it's, it's quite embarrassing. And there's a lot of really, um, it's, it's, it's more, it feels, it reads to me like an unauthorized biography, like something that I'm embarrassed for people to read and like, oh no, he's going to tell them that, you know, Devin does this or Josh is that way, or what's he going to say about me? And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that you wouldn't, you know, that if I, had sense, I would tell him to take out, but we just let him write what his experience with us is and how how it really works. And anyway, the, the book is up now for pre order. It'll be out in uh, Reva when's it gonna be out in September, right? September fifteenth, the book will be out. You can get some chapters from it right away uh, if you pre order. And pre ordering a book is a good thing to do. It's uh, much appreciated. So go to emorybook.com and pre order that and appreciate it. All right, let's talk to Sprinkle. Thank you, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 
Uh, so most people know you as the, you know, obviously the music guy, and you are the person that I probably learned the most from in production and music and stuff like that. But you're probably also the person that I think of or go to first when I want to talk about food and cooking because you know mm-hmm. you're you're, <laughs> you're my guru in that area too. So I always ask you food stuff. Uh, is there something similar about that? Just to start off, though, with the food, is there some any direct parallel you would tie between the way you think about music and art and food? Yeah, I've had numerous discussions around that topic. Um, I think food is a creative expression or can be, you know, cooking mm-hmm. can be. And it's something that I kind of have emotional responses and mm-hmm. attachments to you that are similar to music, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've, I think what I one of the things I've learned about myself is I'm just kind of in general an enthusiast. I just get mm-hmm. really into something, you know? Yeah. You're an enthusiast, um, just an enthusiast enthusiast. Yeah, yeah. like um, and evangelist is actually another way of putting it. Obsessive like, person. <laughs> yes, very obsessive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and if I get into something, I can I can very much become obsessed with it in an unhealthy way, but also in a. I think you know it has it, it's a superpower if you know how to harness it, and mm-hmm. if not, it can get the best of you. Well, there's something maybe about food and music that's similar in that it's uh, it's like there's. Uh, unbelievable amount of technical knowledge that's both uh, un- well understood and available and accessible. Like it's it's easy to get. Mm-hmm. It's well it's well documented and studied and known the technical stuff of how music works and what it is. And same with food. And then on the other hand, it's just wildly subjective. And it goes straight into ta- yeah, you know, taste yep. and objective and emotion and stuff. Yep. And for instance, an individual's metabolism is like. It doesn't matter how much you know about science. It almost all feels like it goes out the window when you start applying it to a, something at a population level to an individual level. Mm-hmm. And and not to mention preferences and, and all the psychological oh, yeah. stuff that goes in. So same with music. You, you can't. That's the same. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Like you can, uh, you know, uh, it's the same exact thing where I always say you can't decide if you like something or not. You just do. <laughs> That's interesting. You can't decide if you like something or not. You just, yeah, like you can't be mad at someone that doesn't like bacon, right. even though everyone should like bacon. Yeah. They, if they really genuinely don't like bacon, they did. That's not a decision they made. You know, I, I run, I get tripped up on that actually. Now that you mention that, it, yeah. I do get tripped up on the fact that they're like, if somebody, for instance, let's just use bacon as an example. If somebody tells me they don't like bacon, I assume mm-hmm. that their stepdad stepdad beat them with a, a strips of bacon when they were five, yes, and that's absolutely. why they don't like bacon. But I don't believe they don't like the way it tastes. I can't. Yeah, believe no. That. You, you, we, you, and I have actually had similar conversations in the past about this. Yeah, I mean my initial thought is always like oh no how how was bacon ris- misrepresented in your life right, in some right. way how how what happened like what, I, are the, where, what are the scars attached to that because <laughs> there's no way bacon, that but... you actually don't like it you know what i mean there's that's not possible so well yeah that's what i'm saying are you not having the okay so if you get technical there are they not having and i i think bacon is you should bacon pepperoni pizza 
pepperoni, yeah, cheeseburger. Pizza, it should be universally yeah. likable. Uh, a lot of candy and sweets, I think, are that way. There's, mm-hmm. You have to be have something really going on to say it didn't taste good. You can say, I don't like it. Yeah. You can say, I avoid it. I think that it, it's uh, bad for you and so much so that I don't like that. But I don't think you can objectively say some of that stuff doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. Although it probably is true, but it's... It's hard for me to swallow, pardon the pun, that it's there's not an objective thing, you know, about human taste. Like if you're seeing what I'm seeing, if you're tasting what yeah. I'm saying, if there if our frame of reference is the same, is there a physiological difference? Like is it literally the construction of your taste yeah. buds don't let you like bacon? Yeah, it's yeah. I I have a I have a problem because I I basically fundamentally believe what I just said, Mm -hmm. but I also have a really hard time with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I do, like Coldplay is an example, Mm -hmm. where when people say they don't like Coldplay, I don't really believe that they don't like Coldplay. You think they're reacting to hipness or copy of Radiohead or the people that like Coldplay? Whatever. There's something Mm -hmm. that makes them think it's cool to not like it. Or they've brainwashed themselves into not liking mm-hmm. it. But if they actually could listen to it in a sort of non-biased, sort of, you know, objective mm-hmm. way, that they would like Coldplay. And, I mean, that's just an example. Um, but I also believe that it's totally fine for them to not like Coldplay. It, it's, really, <laughs> it's, it's really hard. It's hard for me... <laughs> It's hard. It's really hard because I want I want to fix the problem. That's I want right, to get yeah. in there and be like, okay, let's let's get to the bottom of this bacon thing mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but I also I'm trying to learn to just be fine with things not being how I would see them as correct in the world. So <laughs> I'm really trying to learn that. So we'll get into the diet stuff specifically, but I'm I'm kind of stuck here in this in this yeah, zone I love for it. right now. But is it uh do you can you take that non-judgmental thing and apply it to music and food? Like uh can you say that people it's okay for people to like you know, really bad quality food. You know, for instance, I get in, in, into debates with people about Little Caesars all mm-hmm. the time because I think it's amazing. I love yeah. Little Caesars. I think it tastes great, and most people will tell me that it's not true, and I just yeah. I get lost there too. That's one of those ones. <laughs> but yeah, you, you that, know, as I mean, somebody that, that appreciates food on a deep level, are you offended by people like, for instance, and not necessarily Little Caesars, but people liking just you know Mountain Dew and Funyuns? No, absolutely not. I I have I love like in the deepest parts of my soul a McDonald's cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. I love it. it. Um I don't know why. I don't know if it's because that was like a coveted thing when I was a kid that I wasn't really I didn't have very often and w- so when I did it was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why. It could have nothing to do with ha- the actual taste of it. Mm-hmm. It could have to do with some past experience. What I'd argue on the math of that is the reason that you'll find anybody disliking McDonald's cheeseburgers is not because that they're bad. It's definitely that's one of those for sure reactionary things because McDonald's cheeseburgers, if you just look at the numbers, would obviously have to be one of the best foods ever created by humans. That's been the the most most refined thing, right? Like they've put the most 
R&D possible into ma- mm-hmm. making the thing that the numbers don't lie that people want to consume. Yeah. And then people like to tell themselves they don't like it or something, but they, they do. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So does that, if we do transition and talking about your diet and what you eat, which I think is, is, is neat, do you, do you actually do the thing where you go to McDonald's drive throughs and get a couple of McDoubles and throw the buns away? Um, like I mean, I, McDonald's is a great place to order food for me. Yeah. I mean, they'll anywhere will just make you whatever you want nowadays. Mm-hmm. You don't yep. even have to throw the bun away. They'll just make it without it. Um, so what do you order at McDonald's drive through when you're hungry, you're on your way somewhere? Well, I usually, if I, tr- I try to get their breakfast stuff, mm-hmm. just, you know, a couple of their breakfast sandwiches without, uh, without the bread you know without the muffin or whatever right. um it's just about you know th- this journey for me has been so crazy and so much learning and so many layers of kind of uncovering as i go to kind of learn more and take things to the next level and all that but you know it's the simply the way it started is the thing we've all heard a bunch, you know, which is just how many grams of carbohydrates you eat in a day. Right. Is really where it started for me. How much do you weigh now? I weigh 160 pounds. What is the heaviest you were? Or the average heavyweight when you were? 225. You were walking around 225 for years. Basically. Yeah, yeah, or around, like hovering that. around there. Mm-hmm. And you're hot. You're like five seven. Not even five six. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Okay, so that just gives people a little bit of context if they've never seen you in full frame before. But mm-hmm. um, but you you hadn't been one sixty since I imagine you were twenty years old. One sixty. I think the last time I was one sixty was was definitely in my twenties, mm-hmm. like my early twenties. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. And I'm actually still losing right now too. It's slow, but I am. Yeah. I I'm not I don't I don't think I'm weight stable yet. Mm-hmm. So Well, whatever whatever it is, I mean I've I've noted this on last time we talked on labeled podcast or something like that, but you're certainly the physically healthiest I've ever seen you in the time mm-hmm. that I've known you by a long shot. And that carries over in I don't even I mean I think there's I'm not saying there's intangibles about it, but it's at least Weight and demeanor, neck size, maybe complexion, maybe other stuff. I don't. I don't really know. But it's it's just like it's a uh, for somebody that doesn't see you often. It's just strikes me like it's striking. Like somebody that has plastic surgery that you didn't know, yeah, that you know and hadn't seen in a while or something. When I when I see you now, I'm like, oh yeah, this is like badass sprinkle. He's like yeah. looking so good. <laughs> and then that translates, I think, into mood and, and all those other other things too. So I know there's a lot of people that don't love the, the, a high fat or a low carb diet, but um, yeah. I would like to talk about it specifically and how you got to it. And, and uh, you know, I'd like to go more, more deep into it, but you don't call yeah. like, uh, how'd you first encounter it and what do you call it? Sim- the sim- simple beginning to the story is, well, I'll just I'll try to get through this quick, but I have yo-yoed since I was 20 years old. I've been gaining and losing, but always gaining more when I gain it back. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of the yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and I've done every literal thing probably that you've heard of uh, diet-wise. 
to try to stop it, including I tried Atkins back in the day and even South Beach, which was kind of a low-fat, low-carb thing. Um, really just never, ever had any semblance of control or a handle on my health or weight or anything. And really had no... I didn't have any idea that I could, you know, after a while just felt so beat down and so uh, hopeless Mm -hmm. that I just kind of let go of even the hope of ever um, feeling better than I did, you know, when I was a teenager or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, or as good as, you know. And then um, it was a couple years ago, a year and a half ago or so now, I was, I, Went through another bout of kind of losing. I did I did a whole 30 and lost some weight and then gained it all back plus some. And just that kind of thing. I mean, we talked about it on the Labeled podcast. Mm-hmm. That, that, that whole thing of how you see yourself, you know, that way that you can kind of turn your head and look in the mirror in a certain way. And you, that's what you think of when you think of yourself. But seeing pictures of myself and just being really depressed. And then, and then my, you know, I, I had been diagnosed with hypertension i was on i was taking four pills a day for high blood pressure and it was barely under control and and then all of a sudden my a1c which is you know your hemoglobin a1c which is a kind of a it's sort of a test that measures your average blood glucose level over about a three-month period Mm -hmm. and there's there's basically a number that you hit when in the medical community, you're considered type two diabetic. And then there's a number, there's a window that you hit where you're considered pre-diabetic. And I hit the pre-diabetic number. I think I was a 6.2, which is 0.2 away from, I believe it's 0.2 away from being um, a full-blown type two diabetic. Um, And I actually, once, when I found out that I was pre that close to being diabetic, I actually went and gained about fifteen more pounds. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of like lost my mind. I was, I, I went into denial. I was very, I was very scared and freaked out. And my, you know, my doctor kind of got in my face. And you know, that was right. It was right at the holidays too. It was right at like November, December. It's a bad, when it's I, a bad time for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so after. I, in January, I saw a picture of myself. I was just really upset. It was really bad. I was e- easily 225. I wasn't weighing myself or anything. I, thought, I don't exactly know, but I, I definitely looked upsetting to me. Like, not beside, just besides the weight, it's just I looked sad. Like, I just looked puffy <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. sad. And, and, but the thing is, is it was, it, now it was getting to where it was real. Like type two diabetes is not a joke. You know no. what I mean? It's it's bad news. I didn't even know what it was. So I just started looking online and I found I found a website eventually after looking and looking, just trying to find out if there was a way for me to not get diabetes or not have to be medicated for it or somehow figure it out. Because you were gonna have to take insulin or something even? Well, they start you on other stuff first, but mm-hmm. you know, it depends on how high your A1C is, and that, and that really gets to the kind of crux of this whole thing, but I, I found a website called dietdoctor.com, which is a doctor in Sweden runs it, and um, 
it's an LCHF kind of helps people kind of get started and low carb, high fat. Yeah, low carb, mm-hmm. high fat. It kind of breaks down, and 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 they they focus a lot on uh, type two diabetes and uh, all all the different things that go along with that. Um, Anyway, I started learning about why, what type 2 diabetes is, why it happens, how it happens, and that it's reversible every time, always, everyone. Type two, so type 2 diabetes is always reversible. Yeah, I mean, from the evidence that I've seen, the doctors that I follow online, their um, practices and their patients and their stories and other people's stories, it appears to be... Not a lifelong condition that is completely reversible. Uh, Dr. Eric Westman at Duke University, Dr. Ted Naiman in in the Northwest. Uh, These are some of the doctors that that um, treat it um, in their practices with food, hundred percent food based. And it's really just a it, it. It's just a condition brought on by excess dietary carbohydrates. It's called insulin resistance right. is what it is. It's where your body doesn't respond correctly to insulin, so it has to produce more. And and so you start out, I started out kind of seeing carbohydrates and trying to figure out, okay, how do I lower them? And I, I kind of understood like car, your body converts carbohydrates into sugar and so your blood sugar can be lower and that kind of made sense. Like, okay, mm-hmm. if my blood sugar is lower, then that's good because diabetes is higher mm-hmm. blood sugar, type 2 diabetes. Well, let's talk about, right, let's just get in there about insulin and insulin resistance. So for people that don't know, I guess some people will know, some people will not. Um, but what we're talking about is the way your body, okay, so your body needs glucose. It's its primary fuel, C6, H1206, I guess it is. Uh, and it floats around your body, and that is the fuel that your body uses and your brain and, and, and everything else. But kind if of. it if it gets high, what would you say? I said sort of. That, that, what you're saying is sort of true. Okay, well, correct me in a second then. Yeah. Um, and so insulin is a hormone that your body produces to counteract high blood sugar. You're with me? That, there? That's not true either. Okay. Fix it. That Okay, so... Um, let me put it this way. So the way that people treat type 2 diabetes, I'm going to just qualify everything I'm saying and that, that I'm not qualified to say. Not a doctor. I'm, right, right. I'm not a doctor. This is my personal experience that I have discovered to work on me. Um, but from what I, the little bit that I've learned is that the hormone insulin has a lot of functions and one of them happens to lower the glucose level of your blood. Mm-hmm. But that's not its primary function. Okay. And, and the problem with type 2 diabetes is it is caused by too much insulin. Your body producing too much insulin uh-huh. is what causes it. And the way the medical industry or you know system treats it is they just look at your blood sugar level and they go, oh, you need more insulin to get it lower. Right. So people and that are what, diabetic, even type one, they'll give them insulin to counteract yeah, type dangerously one is a high blood sugar, totally which can different kill thing, you though. really quickly at a certain level. Yes, and type one diabetes is 
yeah. completely different. It's when your body doesn't actually have enough insulin. Right. It doesn't make it. But so the problem is, is insulin is actually a hormone among other things. But from what I have learned, it, its primary function is to tell your body to store fat and tell your body to not use fat as fuel. Okay. All right. So this, this is interesting. So, I understand what you're saying, but I hadn't thought of it in this term. So in doing that, it happens to lower your blood sugar. Okay. But, the, but it literally stops your body from burning fat as fuel and mm-hmm. tells your body to store fat for later in case of emergency. So what would, what would cause your body to produce insulin outside of high blood sugar, though? Eating carbohydrates. But that raising your blood sugar and then insulin kicks in. Yeah, so uh, your body goes, oh, you're eating a bunch of uh, carbs, carbohydrates, mm-hmm. sugar, whatever. We must be in a feast time where you're, you know, it's seasonally. If you look at, if you go back and look at how we ate before, whatever modern agriculture, food and production, or agriculture, eat hundred, you go all the way back to hunter gather. Seasonally, we ate fruits, put fat on for the winter mm-hmm. to use the, that fat as fuel. Right. right. You just think of it like a bear hibernating. I mean, yeah. that's an extreme example, but they feast it's exactly, a ton. Yep. And, they, yep. and they, the idea during that feast time would be, get me as fat as I can get. I've got yeah. all these berries. I'm going to eat some salmon too. I'm going to eat everything I can find. I'm going to get as fat as I can. And then I'll make it through when there's no... Yeah. So it's a signal, right? Mm-hmm. To your, tell your body, okay, there's going to be trouble later where we're going to need... We're not going to have food or we're not going to have what we need so we're going to mm-hmm. put this fuel on our body right we're going to store fat that's the po- point of it so let's try to get yeah fat so you need your body can only store i think it's around 2000 correct me if i'm wrong anybody that knows calories of glucose i know that it can store some in in your muscles too mm-hmm. for but that's kind of different and it can store unlimited calories of fat. Right. So I think that if, so, you're, if, if I know what you're talking about there, that would be the actual glycogen in your liver. In your liver, That yeah, you're correct. storing. Mm-hmm. And that's only yeah. enough for a few hours. That's only hours, yeah. a day, or, you know, 40 yeah. hours worth of, yeah. of fuel. Yeah. And then you so, have to go into your fat reserves. Yeah. So what you can do is, so insulin resistance means your body becomes resistant to the effects of insulin, mm-hmm. right? And over time, like any... Anything we are exposed to chemically, hormonally, whatever, we, be, we can become resistant to. Um, so right. you, you become resistant because of overexposure. So sure. you overexpose your body to insulin because you're causing this. So no we different used than caffeine. To, I mean, you just, get resi- you, know, you just have to have up the dose. To get absolutely. The same effect, yeah. So we used to live and eat in a way that we wouldn't be triggering this response all the time. We didn't eat as much. Mm-hmm. We had days where we didn't eat. We fasted all the time. Not because we, had, we wanted to, because we just couldn't find anything. Just for a couldn't while. find yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah. So we, we were. We never ate like this. I mean, even if if you just go back, literally to the 1940s, the average American was eating a low carb diet compared to how we're eating now. Literally, like. The percentage of carbohydrates, if you look at the macros. The macros, yeah. I mean, it just, because all this processed food, packaged food wasn't, you know, kind of pushed on us and the dietary guidelines and all that stuff. I don't want to necessarily get into all the conspiracy end of it. Just for me, this started clicking and making sense. So I was like, I learned that you can actually kind of switch your body from burning sugar, which is Mm -hmm. carbs, 
which most people in this country only ever burn. Only that. ever do their whole That's life. All it's, they, like, it's that feast whole mode life. all the time. We're trying to get fat for winter always, mm-hmm. 365. And most people have never even entered, and most humans, at least most Americans, have never even entered a state of ketosis as long as they've lived. Mm-mm. And it's a whole other a whole yeah. <laughs> other way. Okay, pardon the interruption really quick from my conversation with Sprinkle. I'm going to interrupt you to tell you about something else important other than diet, and that is sleep. Sleep is part of your wellness. And let me tell you what makes me sleep good is my Casper mattress. A lot of people know that I sleep on Casper mattress and have for I don't know, a long time, like a couple of years now, I've been sleeping on it, and I am happy. The thing stays really cool in the summer. Uh, It's really, really good. It's a foam mattress. In fact, it's an obsessively engineered foam mattress, and the price is shockingly fair. Let me tell you about the foam. It combines supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Now, there's over 20,000 people who have reviewed this thing, and it's got an average of 4.8 stars. So it's not just me that's telling you this is a good thing to sleep on. But I will tell you this, I don't think you spend any more time in one place than in your bed. So you might want to take that seriously. But for me, Casper has been a great mattress. Now, here's the thing. You can try it with free shipping and free returns. If you're not sure if you'd like it, well, you just order it and you can try it for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, like I do, they'll pick it up and they'll refund you everything. So, low risk and high possible payoff here. And the best news is you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash down. And please use my promo code down. Terms and conditions apply. Again, $50 off any mattress by visiting casper.com slash down, promo code down. And that that's the other thing too, Matt, is I don't chase ketosis. I've yeah. never mm-hmm. tested my blood or yeah. anything for ketones. I don't necessarily at this at least at this point in my life I've never worried about that. I just know that if I get my carbs down, mm-hmm. I started to switch over to to using fat for fuel, right. and my body started using my fat for fuel. Mm-hmm. It started using some of the fat I was eating, but then also some of the fat on that my you body had stored, yeah. and it was like this. It unlocked this thing Mm -hmm. because I've done the low calorie, low fat thing a bunch of times, the most times of any diet. Um, And I think most people can say that they, what happens is you eventually kind of plateau Mm -hmm. on that. And all of a sudden you're, you're lowering even more and you're still not losing any weight because your body kind of adapts. The, ho- the homeostasis kind of moves over because what happens when you do just calorie restriction is your body goes, oh, we need to turn everything down. Your whole we system run. Is we don't have enough fuel here, so we're going we to have to go into learn low how to power run on this. That's yeah, right. we got to learn how to run on this many calories. Mm-hmm. So kind of then you and especially when you're signaling insulin while you're low calorie, then you're just all messed up. And I mean, when I finally figured this out and it started working, I just wanted to cry. I was like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, you, we've, we're always taught like eat less, move more, you know, you slob. Yeah. What's your problem? Yeah. You're just lazy. And I do exercise now, but I, I, it wasn't until I felt like I could by, <laughs> from losing from losing weight yeah. till I got into that and just kind of taking it to the next level. 
I, you know, I've since learned even more about just general insulin exposure and um, specifically what kind of foods work best for me and what makes me feel bad and what makes me feel good. But the first, the first thing I noticed immediately after the few days of just feeling horrible, because kind of when you're kind of converting over, um to fat burning uh it's kind of feels pretty bad uh for some people a lot most people you find that that but, though the more times you go back and forth the easier that gets of course i've never gone back since january of 2016 okay so that I've, that'll be I've, different I've, I've than almost anybody else i've ever heard of but you're saying since yeah. you started eating low carb you haven't had a single day where you've eaten a couple hundred carbs no you not had a uh, what they'd call a cheat day, but you've not even had no. a Thanksgiving dinner or something where you said I, I'll I would back. be surprised if I've eaten more than twenty grams of carbs in a day in the last year and a half. Wow! And and most days it's about five grams of carbs. Oh, it's got to be more than five. Uh, I mean, there's five pretty, in, in, in pretty easy incidental. for me to hit five. Well, I want to talk about that. I, I find twenty to be what I would consider a minimum. But of I mean, if you're talking carbs, net too, yeah, if net you're talking carbs. net or gross, um, but. But that's just where I feel good. Mm -hmm. So the the great thing about this, I've done a little bit of tracking and looking at macros and just kind of trying to see what my percentage is or what my cal, you know, at you know percentage of calories from fat, carbs, mm -hmm. protein. This all is that. where people messed... start to get the red light immediately when I try to explain yeah. it to them. That's the first thing I say. I say, well, don't worry about the name. Don't say it's Atkins. Don't accuse me of only eating yeah. bacon, whatever it is. I say, yeah. Let me just tell you how I think of it. I like to try, because I like to think about calories and macros and percentages. That's the most comfortable mode for me to be in, yeah. is to look at the component parts of, of what it is. So the macros being protein, carbohydrates, and fat. And so I believe I like to eat, try to get 75% of my calories from fat. And then mm -hmm. I try to do as much protein as possible beyond that and, and the, the least amount of carbs as possible. But I'm not afraid yeah. of them. So I, I'll eat up to 50 carbs a day if I'm That's pretty that. standard. Well, but, and you, you, are, you look to me like you're pretty insulin sensitive too. So you can probably tolerate more carbs. And 75% fat is kind of pretty standard mm -hmm. keto mm -hmm. macros. But I have not – I mostly don't do that. I mostly – here, here's what I'm doing currently right now is I eat when I'm truly hungry until I'm not anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I eat within a certain period of time each day. So I intermittent fast as well. Okay. Um, Even if you're hungry is, during what you think is supposed to be a fast or is it natural that you just go long periods without eating? I and are we talking 14 found, hours or what? I'm, I'm really, I usually do 16 hours and, and then I do some days of 20 hours, but... It's really interesting when you start figuring out what true hunger really is, especially for me. So much of my life when I was hungry, I was just wasn't hungry that, at all. It's just do you, totally do you mean that another that's thing. Either, well, part of that might be habit and ritual and social, but there's the, is the part of absolutely. like a blood sugar cycle? Is that something you identify falsely well, as hunger? I mean, that when I was... Towards the end of uh, the year in, in of 2016 in January and stuff, I would pass out almost from eating. Like, 
really similar feeling to like getting like drinking a bunch really fast and kind of passing out like very similar very weird like because my blood sugar would just go so high like through the roof and then crash down Mm -hmm. i mean that whole thing messes you up so bad you're you're satiety signals of your like carbs just mess mm-hmm. all, all that stuff up you can't the amount of carbs i was eating so but you but my point your body being can't the, even the hu- tell you if it's full or, the not, hunger, or, hungry or not right that's right because there's what's the hormone uh there's a hormone that is i'll think of it you'll think of it for me but there's a hormone that tells you you're hungry what's it called do you know what it's called um uh, it, ends, yeah. it ends with an i in like all the hormones it's a. Uh, it's not leptin is it I'll look it up, but there's one of the there's I forget. There's, there's, there's a certain I hormone forget. that's just one that tells you you are hungry. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know all the names of all that stuff. I just know for me, right? I, I'm learning what real hunger is. Fasting is kind of almost a hack. If you if if, if you start look fasting really freaks people out when you start saying that word. They just yeah. lose their minds and run away. But we already fast every night. It's just kind of pulling that window of of not eating out a little farther and your your mental clarity goes up mm-hmm. your your human growth hormone levels go up your adrenaline goes up a little Four bit o'clock crash doesn't happen nope and just so like just i mean the mental clarity thing for me has and mood stabilizing of this mm-hmm. has actually become maybe the most mm-hmm. beneficial thing to me yeah. of anything cuz not only do i not feel physically as like just sluggish Mm -hmm. but my brain i can focus longer i can i don't know i'm i don't uh, my mood doesn't swing around as much as it used to and um it's it's really incredible and you know like i said this is my story i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people hearing this that are just think i'm insane or um whatever but i just say you know try it if if you're having any sort of if you're anywhere near having metabolic syndrome if you're anywhere near you know where i was or even if you're just not feeling good i i mean a lot of people that are thin eat the way mm-hmm. that i do yep. for the mental reasons or inflammation it really lowers your overall inflammation you know some sorts of chronic inflammatory diseases can be people can see really big improvements um and, you know, like I said, you know, I quit nicotine about five months ago now completely. I was, I, I hadn't smoked for a couple of years, but I was vaping. And I just don't think I would have even been able to do that if it wasn't for my kind of entire narrative shift that mm-hmm. came along with this. Because it, more than unlocking just my physical health, which can only is only temporary, right? It's all mm-hmm. only temporary because I'm going to die someday. It unlocked this thing where I kind of had this self-speak of, you know, I can never do this. I can't do this. And we talked about that a little bit too. But it, it was just such an awesome kind of gate way to this kind of whole new Mm -hmm. way of thinking for me Mm -hmm. Um, and a new way to experience my faith and relationships and all this stuff 
And by no means do I have it all down. I'm very, very much still in the growth stages and really trying to be able to look at stuff and figure it out. But How come you can't tolerate, for instance, a cheat day? It wouldn't hurt you, uh, you know, physically to, to do such as that. I don't. Because, I mean, that's I a big barrier I don't feel for a lot of people. I, I don't feel good. See, I'm I'm at this point where I don't want I don't see the value in it anymore personally. Okay. I don't What's there, the food you no, miss the most though? I mean, that's where that's you have to understand that's where people's I heads are at when miss, they hear somebody like I you know, saying I have and, and, not had anything truly decadent or sweet in a year. If and anyone that, understands this this uh, it's me because I remember sitting in AA meetings saying there's no way that I will ever be happy if I can't drink anymore. There's no way that I'll ever, that anything will even matter. Like, how could I ever, <laughs> seriously, that's how crazy I was about it. So I get that. I understand that feeling because you hear people going, I just, I don't even want to drink anymore. And you're like, BS, dude. Yeah. I don't, that will never be me. I can tell you, I literally... I mean, I made chocolate chip cookies last night for my mm-hmm. son, and I didn't want them. Like, there, part of me wants it. I'm not going to lie to you like, oh, that would, of course, if I ate it, it would taste good. But the value of w- that experience has just dissipated. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, it, food was, the food that I was kind of addicted to was making me feel so bad mm-hmm. that I don't I don't crave that anymore. Do you think of carbs there are as, things, uh, as an addiction for everybody or for some people? I mean, it certainly no, fits the bill in general to say people are sugar addicted or carbs. People like to make that claim, but there, you could look at it in yeah. one way that our whole society is addicted and that they just don't know well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's a that's a whole other kind of subject, really, in my opinion. But no, I mean, I am I'm I am wired for addiction for whatever reason i am i don't have i'm not good historically i have not been good at moderation and i don't that's one of the narratives i would like to change too that i can but i just kind of told myself until i am weight stable until i've achieved some certain parameters that i'm just not gonna Mm -hmm. it's not worth it Mm -hmm. um and i don't I, you know, I've refined what I started eating to what I eat now so much too that, you know, a cheat day for me might be some berries and some whipped cream or something like that. And you You had 35 carbs that day. Not even still, like not, like still not even, but, um, I, I haven't eaten any sugar or flour or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I honestly don't want to, uh, my, everything's changed and, I've had all that stuff before. I know what it's like to to eat it, <laughs> and I don't need to eat it again. Mm-hmm. I've eaten it so much. There's for it's it's just like booze. I don't need to drink again. I know what it's like. Yeah, I've experienced it. I don't need to keep experiencing that, especially when it's just harming my me and everyone around me. Yeah, and I know that's going to come across super extreme to some people, and it doesn't have to be for you. Your thing is your thing. If you can handle it. 
you could eat a bite of cake every day and still be low carb if that's something right. you can exactly. handle. You could, you could you do could, that. You could have a, 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 you know, a 15 gram spoonful of, of cheesecake, real cheesecake mm-hmm. or chocolate cake, and it would have, you know, 11 grams of carb in it, and you'd yeah. be okay. I mean, if you could yeah. do that, that'd be, you'd be totally good. Yeah. But most people can't do that. Cookie every right. day if you wanted. I don't like how it makes me feel, so I don't do that. Yeah. Um, and I still am just as into food as I've ever been, and it's fun to be creative and figure out how to make. Well, that's what I'm kind of curious of about things. is the kind of stuff that you are eating now, because I'm sure you've got some really good stuff. But how about the? Uh, so I think everybody's starting to in the culture come around to the idea, and it. Golly, I mean, I'd been I've been onto this diet a little bit. And understanding it since Atkins was a big thing. I mean, it's something I've, I've been aware of, the general science and the effectiveness of. But when it was first like that, it was really seen as a bad or dangerous or scary yeah. or yeah. taboo thing. Uh, and, and you just couldn't get anywhere with anybody talking about it. And now, and at that time, nobody thought the, the word carb didn't even have any bad association. Let's say 2003, yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. It just didn't. People weren't really saying stuff bad about carbs. Now, in the pop culture making fun of carbs and saying carbs are bad is now yeah. there. So that's actually a, a, totally. a, a neat step forward that if you yeah. people no longer say carbs are bad, what are you talking about? Like at least yeah. people acknowledge that carbs are bad and then they go empty carbs and this and that. They're yeah, still yeah, pretty yeah. defensive about certain amounts of carbs and what's the difference in sugar and carbs and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But one thing that hasn't moved almost at all is the way that people talk about fat like it needs to be avoided. That part's still mm. pretty large. It's, it's yeah, hard to find somebody. Fat yeah, too. saturated fat, especially. Mm. Um, That's actually something I've been reading the most about lately is sort of the politics behind the dietary guidelines mm-hmm. and and who who decides what they think and what, what where the evidence is for all that. Mm-hmm. Um and you know the random controlled trials and the papers and that is very interesting to me it can get into it i'm just going to say this it can get into a borderline religious mm-hmm. debate on that level and even kind of conspiracy theorist type debates mm-hmm. which i really try to avoid yeah, that me the too. people that i the people that i really like are practicing doctors and scientific authors and writers that just are 100% evidence based they don't um they don't seem to be you know working under any hidden agenda or anything like that to me at least i mean you you know i can i can only speculate so much but and are they diff- are the just- people you're following differentiating saturated and unsaturated fat animal fat and not so the, the fat thing is just one of the most frustrating things to me in the entire world because there, even if saturated fat was unhealthy, which I don't believe it is, and I would love for someone to show me any published study that actually proved that it is, it's the only way you can avoid eating it is if you eat modern toxic seed oils Mm -hmm. that didn't exist 70 years ago that's literally the only way you can avoid it so that that starts being like just from it let's just look at it from a completely logic based thing so you're telling me unless i eat this food that is scientifically generated in the 
last blip of so human vegetable existence. Oil, then, for instance, yeah, so somebody would say seed. the obvious thing would be well, vegetable oil is good, oils. and and cow yeah. uh, steak fa- trimmings of steak fat yeah. is got to be worse than vegetable oil. Yeah. So, but why would why would our bodies be designed, or if you believe, you know, whatever you believe, evolved or whatever, to operate the most efficiently and productively? in a synthetic food environment? Why would the foods that we would naturally be eating for thousands of years be the ones that kill us? Right. So that, from that, and then all, all foods, literally, that contain fat, contain all three, saturated, polyunsaturated, monounsaturated fats, all of them. Olive oil has more saturated fat than unsaturated fat in it. Oh, they love olive and, oil. So olive oil is not a, and it's the other, not a seed oil, though? It's not a synthetic. No. It's just pressed no, no. olive yeah. oil, right? Yeah. But vegetable yeah. oil is synthetic, so. Yeah. So if you can squeeze something and fat comes out of it, that's generally kind of a rule for safety for eating. But the, the also the term saturated fat means it, it, it's so fresh. This is, when I learned this, I just about wanted let to me guess, rip out my hair. Let me guess before you do it. Uh, first of all, saturated sounds bad. <laughs> like there's a really bias bad. into We've, the yes. saturated, and you know it comes from an animal, and you've got the built-in thing of eating the fat, and it's decadent and all that stuff. So, and it's saturated, but the only thing that's saturated about it is the the bond, the single h- hydrogen to the carbon bonds is all mm-hmm. we're talking about. It's actually, you could actually also call saturated stable. Yeah. And unsaturated, unstable. Yeah. So you don't have dangling. Which, uh, yeah. So a lot of research going into saturated fats, not causing, uh, not oxidizing and not causing inflammation and unsaturated fats being highly inflammatory because of the oxidation they cause. So, and then the whole thing that eating saturated fat, also the whole concept that, that animal products are saturated fat and vegetable products are unsaturated, unsaturated fat is a total myth. Coconut well. oil being Just an example. Just look it up. Look it up. Well, coconut oil is kind of an anomaly. The only food group that has more saturated fat than unsaturated fat is dairy. Mm-hmm. Coconut oil is obviously has more saturated fat than unsaturated fat. My doctor says don't eat anything meat. that is uh, solid at room temperature. She says avoid yeah. all of those, which... Yeah, violates what, what you're saying. Like, literally, you know, canola the oil. Of, ca- I would tell someone to oil. only eat yeah. fats that are solid right. at room temperature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you were going to go by that rule, I would literally do the opposite. There is no, there's just no evidence that it that it's harmful to eat this natural, totally natural food that is what we've been eating. Why we're here? Why we survived? If you're thinking of hunter or gatherer, that would be it. You would eat high carb stuff when you can get it in season, and then you would be able to kill something between fasting for eight days, and now you got a big yeah. animal, and you're going to eat every bit of that animal's yeah. belly fat you could possibly consume, and be very, yep. very happy about it. Exactly, and I'm not going to go into why the dietary guidelines are the way they are because that's kind of delving into speculation. Yeah, yeah. People are pretty familiar but with that. If you look at them, if you look at the line. That we they told us to eat lo- less fat and more grains and plants and whole product whole foods. We did that. If you look at the data, right. we we we, we followed we lowered the guidelines, our fat yeah. and we and diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and obesity went up exactly the same line mm-hmm. as all that stuff went down. It just went up and up and up and up and up. It just the more we do what they say, the sicker we get. That's just a fact. Like, you can't disprove it. Um, 
at least I, if you can, let me know. But I, I, I haven't. You may found get any some. You may, you've, you've, you've asked for some feedback a couple times. You may get some. But I'd love, be, be I good would to love I'll share feedback. it too. I'll read it if anybody sends it. I'm, I'm um, but conspiratorial so, here too. And and also, I want to really make clear. I eat a, a way that a lot of people would see as very extreme, and I was in an extreme situation. I was very broken. Mm-hmm. My blood pressure was through the roof. My A1C was through the roof. My weight was out of control. So I'm trying to fix something that was very broken, and it kind of takes some extreme. I'm, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be eating ten years from now, but I I know what, you know, I don't know how far of a healing I can get to, or if I'm going to stay. I might stay eating the exact same way I am right now, but if you. If we were if what? we were kind of left it alone and if we weren't told fat was bad and we weren't messing with the macros and getting the carbs way up to get the fat down and and told that animals were bad to eat and we should lower our animal protein all that stuff who knows where all these modern diseases would be right now mm-hmm. in our in our you know how how you know it's it's just it's it's tragic to mm-hmm. me especially the type 2 diabetes one to me it's just people die of that Oh yeah, it contributes to Every so it's so weird. Day. The whole thing is such a weird cycle like you were talking about earlier where mm-hmm. you're in the carbs and then it triggers the hormones and then it triggers this and then you eat again and then you feel bad and then and then you know yeah. there's the negative there's so many things that go into that cycle it keeps keeps on spinning and spinning to where it just it's yeah. who knows and then the long-term effects in populations are the diseases that that are there and stuff like that. So let's get back to the nitty-gritty cuz I find it unhelpful for people to try to minimize when they talk about eating fat. Like, well, no, I mean, you know, I just like chicken breast and kale. Well, no, mm-hmm. let's, in fact, chi- low fat chicken breast is, is, is almost, you know, that's really high in protein, which you only want a limited amount of protein. Like it's not even high protein that you're looking for. It's actually high fat. I find it better to acknowledge mm-hmm. that and not be mm-hmm. embarrassed about the fat fact that you're like, cheddar cheese and ground beef if you're hungry mm-hmm. and that's okay mm-hmm. but give me an mm-hmm. example of what people find extreme that you eat or like to eat or what, what, I think, what trips I people think out the when fat, they see you or tell you tell the them fat the is the shock is shocking can be shocking to people um especially some days i kind of really try to listen to what my body wants and some days i eat a lot of fat. like how do you like, consume fat like i track fat sometime i tracked my macros and i i could easily hit 180, 200 grams of fat in a day, mm-hmm. um, especially on a day where I feel like I need it. Um, butter, I make, um, I make my own ma- mayo. I all these different kinds of mayos that I make, different. And what do you stuff put them all? Um, burgers. I eat a lot of burgers. I eat a lot of steak. I eat a lot of eggs, bacon. Um, you know, chicken. I go through phases of things that I like and crave or whatever. You get you know, that chicken eat, skin but... right off the rotisserie, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I actually will do, I'll buy two two uh, whole chickens mm-hmm. and spatchcock them, you know, yeah. cut, you know, yeah. butterfly them, them yeah, and, and, and roast them. them. And they're freaking awesome. But yes, a lot, I eat a lot of beef. I eat a lot of steak. I have a I really try to listen. And then I also, the, the, the one thing, I was actually kind of helping a friend get started on this. Um, and he was just like, no. The one thing I got from Dr. Naaman in, in, in the Seattle area is I eat uh, 
a can of sardines. I, I love eating cans of sardines. I do the same yeah. thing when I'm eating. Yeah. And, and but I, let me confess, if you've seen me lately, I've been on tour, or if you see me sitting up here in the office, I ain't been eating good. I'm not. I'm eating carbs right now, and I'll eat. I'll eat probably some ice cream and stuff tonight. But when I'm eating <laughs> keto, I, I control my weight with it and everything else. Then for sardines, is just is the best. It's super fatty, oh super good, re, re, pretty cheap. I just put mustard in them and stuff. Possibly so, one of the most nutrient dense foods you can eat. Nutrient too. dense. That's what I'm always looking for. That's the other yeah. thing that drives me crazy. Is on the menus at all the restaurants they have the calories listed, as mm-hmm. if calories are the things you don't want and my whole mentality ever since i was able to buy food is i'm looking for the highest caloric density <laughs> in a food i've always thought that was the obvious way that'd be like uh, it's, it's fuel like you don't want watered down gas do you i'm trying to find the best fuel for the cheapest so i want the most calories in a food that i'm seeking yeah that's the way i always yeah i mean that. so ted the same guy same doctor ted Neiman. he i've heard him say that nutrient density is the problem. If we were all yeah, eating that's right. foods that were high in nutrient density, yes. we would be eating correctly. And you'd and be none eating of these less things would be a volume. Problem. A lot less you, volume. Yeah, you'd be yeah, you if you just ate super high nutrient density foods, you'd be good. Yeah. You know? So I mean, and, eat a cucumber there, for instance. There's has no, like, you know, a pickle has five uh, calories in yeah, it. So yeah. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but that's what you eat with the mayo and the oils and the fats with it. It's mm-hmm. good to eat that, and there's there's nutrients yeah. in cucumbers. But I was just thinking about it. Like if you want to say, oh, I just got to eat light and eat veggie. How many how yeah. many pickles do you have to eat in a day to get two thousand <laughs> calories? Do you know? It's like five hundred pickles. Yeah, it's four hundred pickles actually. You'd have to eat 400 pickles to get your 2,000 calories. Go ahead or eat 10 pickles and a couple of cans of sardines and you'll be in good shape and it'll taste good and you'll be full and you'll like it. Yeah, that's the other thing is the fat um, really kicks in your satiety. Mm -hmm. Like you stay full for so long and you just feel good. You can eat a bag of Doritos and you're just as hungry as you were before. You know? Slow. You get yeah, 1,200, 1200 oh, calories yeah. of Doritos, and you are absolutely every bit as hungry as when you started the bag. Absolutely, 100%. Cannot yeah, do that I mean, with that... ribeye, which is ribeye the steak no, you like. No, you can't. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mostly eat. You can't sit down. I can sit down and eat all the cookies that I made. Mm-hmm. And but still I can't be hungry. sit down and, and eat this much ribeye. Wow. You know what I mean? Right. You, just, you, don't, you just don't eat that much. Your body goes, nope, you're full. Yeah, we're good. So, we got yeah. some good nutrients in this thing. We got a lot of mm-hmm. fat. There's some mm-hmm. protein, whatever. I mean, there's carbs in the Everything. meat of the of the ribeye, by the way. I mean, there's some yeah. stored in there. Of so. course. There's incidental carbs, um, yeah. Uh, how are you cooking ribeye? Like, what's what's your go-to way to make a steak and eat it? My go-to steak, which I believe to be the most foolproof... I mean, I love grilling, and I, grill, I grilled today. That's why I was late getting on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Um, is is you put a cast iron pan under the broiler for 10 minutes, let it get hot, throw a ribeye in there, put it back. About four minutes later, flip it over. Four minutes later, pull it out, let it rest, and it's done. That's what I'm going to do tonight. It's it's absolutely foolproof. Mm-hmm. And the, the key is, is a full 10 minutes of that under there. So the, the surface temperature is super high it's on the so cast hot, iron. so hot, and you're yeah. hitting it from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And you can really render a bunch of the fat out and it gets that cast yeah. iron just crazy like sear. 
But it's a really even cook. It's it's the fastest, most reliable way. And it's not as messy on your stovetop because I like cooking on cast iron. Oh but yeah, it's so splattery, you know, kind of thing. And grilling's oh, yeah. hard. It's super you know? easy. It's it it does make some smoke, so you have to be careful. Like if you you know you have to have good ventilation, mm-hmm. or your smoke alarm will go off. But the conduction on the cast iron is so good because it's instead of grill marks, the whole thing is getting yeah. the conduction yep. from the cast iron. Yeah, and you I get love the, it. You know the effect there all the way across it, but that's real good. Um, and so, are you talking about the intermittent fasting? You're skipping lunch a lot. You get up and eat some eggs, and then eat something. No, good. I don't. I don't eat breakfast usually. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty rare that I do. So your fast I, starts, I, at, you know, late at night. You eat some. Uh, I imagine you have. What is your sweet treat that you eat? Like, you know, f- use artificial sweetener and cream or something, or make a low yeah, carb ice cream. Every- Every once in a while, I make like chocolate mousse or mm-hmm. something like that with this stuff called Swerve. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of Swerve? Yep. Yeah. Swerve and heavy cream and cocoa powder. Yep. It's really all you need and a couple other things. Oh, so even the gelatin. cup of sour cream with cocoa powder is good. Yeah. Yep. Which people find yeah, offensive. So, like you would I, eat I sour cream that. with a spoon, but you could do it. I I don't do that a lot. My... I get a little messed up by artificial sweeteners sometimes mentally, you know. I don't I don't think there's an I've I've never noticed them to throw me off physically, but they can kind of make me start thinking, feeling kind of really fake hangry kind of feelings hmm. sometimes, but um so you uh, fast from t- 9 p.m. until No, I see so okay, so I kind of for me, I've learned that I really do the best, like sleep wise and stuff. If I if I really try to be done eating around six o'clock. Whoa. Yeah. Um. So sometimes seven or eight. Sometimes, but it just depends. You know, I was really militant about the fasting thing too, because what'll happen is you'll kind of you get something down and you'll kind of hit a bump and lose, you know, or you'll hit a thing and lose some weight and then you'll kind of kind of slow down. And you're like, what's did I do something wrong? Or so then I'll kind of get into something else, some new kind of aspect of it, like intermittent fasting. Dr. Jason Fung in uh, Canada is like the intermittent fasting guru. He's freaking awesome, and uh, I've just watched a bunch of his videos and stuff. And uh, and I was like really into it, and I was kind of being really militant about it. I was like trying to figure out, okay, if I do three eight-hour windows and one four-hour and a 24 or, or, and, you know, or two four-hours and a 24, like, and uh, I emailed some a doctor that I, and asked him advice, and he's like, this is what I do, but just chill. Like, try to be flexible. Like, just don't mm-hmm. be so crazy about it. Like, it's it's all about kind of the flow, listening to your body. the The main reason I don't eat breakfast is because I don't ever want it. I'm not hungry when I wake up in the morning. It's just the, your whole response system of like your brain saying you're hungry and all that is totally different and stable and uh-huh. just chill. Um, and then I'll do longer ones sometimes. Like I'll do a f- only a four hour window of eating. Like I'll do that a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really plan it out either. I'll just be like, oh, after I eat lunch or something, I'll be like, today I'm going to be done eating. Well, how do you plan on a good lunch then at noon, you know, preparation if you're out and about, stuff like that? You just take a break and cook, you're working from home? Or- so that is that is the biggest challenge. I had a week here where my brother was here working on this record uh, that we're doing and doing some photos. 
where we were eating out, and and I I usually don't eat out. So because I work at home and I don't eat out, so eating out really can throw me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time time wise, timing wise, um, it's easy for me to eat out. I can eat just about anywhere. But like other, you know, sometimes I'll eat I'll eat at eleven and then at four and I'll never eat again. And that's those are two times that most people don't eat at, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm with other people, they can it's I gotta I have to adapt, move around. So if I know I'm going into a session with a bunch of people, I'll make myself eat breakfast. I'll just move my window of eating to where I'm gonna be with normal eating people so just to be flexible there you know i like that definition of flexibility uh you know some people say it this way i think it was when i was learning about how to feed a a damn baby or something they're like you Mm -hmm. have to be flexible you have to have a routine and then you can break it all you want that's what being flexible is it's about having the routine that when you change it for any reason almost indiscriminately it goes back that the 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 part about flexibility is that you come back to the 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 normal awesome. mode in the first place and that's what it means to be flexible not mm-hmm. you do whatever is not the be- yeah. it's not the best way to look at flexibility in that I love that so then if you're doing that and you're doing the fasting and all that stuff you don't have any uh, you don't have any like what are the other health problems and stuff that have gone away for you like tell me all the things that are okay better. um I used to I probably would have been diagnosed with sleep apnea. I never really got checked. Mm. It was bad, though. It was really bad. Snoring, Mm. uh, just kind of tired all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, always, especially just having to to drink coffee throughout the whole day to keep keep it going. Um, My joints hurt. Uh, You know, just sort of puffy, inflamed kind of feeling all the time. Um, all that's gone. Like, I literally don't even snore anymore, like, at all. It's crazy. Um, which obviously has to do with weight loss, but it also... I, I think a lot of this stuff comes with the inflammation going down, too. I think do you we're tie kind of that to walking gluten? around... Because the gluten people will jump on here and say, that's because you're not eating gluten. I don't... No, I don't know about that. But you're just incidentally not eating gluten because you don't eat flour. So. Well, yeah, but it's I, I, I believe that the entire insulin exposure process that we get from the standard American diet is just highly in, in, inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And then you add the, the polyunsaturated oils into the mix, and then you're, it's just a recipe for disaster. Um, there's a bunch of guys. There's a guy named... Um, Hold on, I'm going to look really quick because I don't want to say his name wrong. In Australia, nofructose.com is his website. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Fetke, I believe is how you say his name. He has, he's awesome. He's an orthopedic surgeon in Australia, in Tasmania, I believe. And he he has a video on YouTube Um that explains the whole kind of perfect storm of the polyunsaturated oils. Yeah, it's. I think if you type in Dr. Fetke YouTube, there's a, a nutritional model of inflammation is the first video that comes up. Um, it's pretty amazing. All of his videos are. Oh, no, Nutrition and Inflammation, the one from the Low Carb Down to Under, that is the best one. It 
the uh, the the perfect storm of ba- these bad fats, high carbs, mm-hmm. um, and the inflammation. You know, it's pretty compelling stuff. I'm not saying that it's you know proven mm-hmm. by any means, but it's it's very compelling to me. It makes sense, and I and I I like I said personally, I I experienced it not not just the body fat reduction but just like mm-hmm. my, but just pu- general puffiness yep. and everything is is gone and then now yeah i work i work out um i which i've never done literally with any regularity in my entire life until about six months ago yeah the um, the tired one stuck out to me because i forgot about it. i've been eating poorly for a, a while now and i've been complaining about how tired i am i forgot that that's probably tied to it you know like oh, I, I keep thinking what is going on is the baby keeping me up am i yeah what is going I, oh i'm getting i was thinking about how i must have entered some other stage of i'm old you know how old men always have yeah. to take naps or something which i don't like taking yeah. naps so i was thinking am i really going that way what's going on but you know, I think that could be a big part of it because I've been eating poor. It, absolutely, it's crazy, Matt. I when I when I got that call from my doctor about my A one C. Oh, I never told you the the end of that too, which is crazy. When I got that call about my A one C being six point two, I really was depressed. I went into really bad depression. I ate a bunch of crap and gained more weight, like I said. And I really had this feeling like, well, you know. The best is behind me, and it wasn't that great. <laughs> like it was a kind of a bummer. Yeah. From a physical health mm-hmm. standpoint, you know, I don't mean my life; I just mean my phys- physical health standpoint. And I literally feel better than I can remember mm-hmm. ever feeling right now. Like that's exciting. And and maybe I didn't appreciate it, you know, when I was a kid or whatever, you know, because it just was. But so check, this is the craziest part. Two months after I started this, okay? So now keep in mind that your A1C is roughly a three-month average, the test, Mm -hmm. okay? Two months after I started eating like this, I got another blood test, which means that you have to factor in one month of really bad eating Mm -hmm. because I was eating really bad right before I stopped, like started this. My A1C was down to 5.5. From 6.8 or something. From 6.2. 6.2. Which is, which is 5 point, or it was like 5.25 or 5.35. I forget the exact number. It was normal. Totally normal. Not even pre-diabetic anymore. Like completely normal. In two months. I mean, I, in two months. I mean, it's, it's just, that was like. He, my doctor was like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't see this ever. I never see th- it go down. How How is that? I don't understand He's like, whatever that. you're doing, to just keep doing it. So my doctor, when I went in, you know, I don't, I went into my doctor and told her, I got blood tests when I was starting. I was like, I'll get the baseline here. And um, I told her what I was doing. She goes, that's fine. And that's when she told me not to eat saturated fats. And yeah. I said, well, yeah. I'm going to try this though. Like, I just want you to know I am going to do this. She goes, yeah, okay, but try to eat the least of those. It's okay if you want to restrict your carbs some. 
And uh, I was like, yeah, this, I mean, I, I'll come back. We'll, t we'll test it, you know, <laughs> that I came back three months later. And she told me, my, gave me my whole lipid profile and told me everything was wrong with it and stuff. Th some concerns here, there. Came back and everything that was uh, something she was watching or concerning had reversed and was, was better. And I was like, you know, I, I don't try to rub it in your face or anything, but I've been aggressively pursuing almost all saturated fats here. I just want you to know. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to rub it in your face, but I want, I don't know if they don't hear that or if people don't tell doctors the truth or if that, I'm not really sure what's all going on there. And also, I'm not sure that it's, I, I'm, in fact, I'm sure that this isn't the way everybody should eat. Because like you said, the part about listening to your body, like I'm skinny and I, I do it, I'm not really worried about weight loss. I, I mean, I can't gain much weight. I can, you know, I'm, but I feel better. I know it feels mm -hmm. better. Yeah. My mental you know, qualities better. And it's just, I'm sure it's a superior way for me to eat that my body responds yeah. to well. I don't know if it's the same for everybody or what the ratios of the macros are. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know either if it's the best. I do think everyone could use to eat a lot less yeah. garbage carbs. Yeah, of course. That's almost that is obvious. unprecedented. Mm -hmm. This time of human history, we have availability to an unprecedented amount mm -hmm. of garbage. And we eat a higher ratio of carbohydrates than Mm -hmm. by far any time in history. That's why I don't like so the low-carb We're term. doing this really bad experiment right now is what we're doing mm -hmm. as uh, on, on all of mankind, this really terrible experiment. And it's going very badly if you just look at the numbers. Um, but yeah. So that's the problem yeah. with the low-carb terminology is it sounds like it's some crazy, or even carb-restricted, it sounds like you're doing a thing versus mm -hmm. no, just regular carbs is yeah. is what you call just, low. Yeah, you know, like they're we're not saying yeah. carbs Eat. are poison, but three hundred carbs yeah. a day or more or whatever that's that's not normal. And this is no. low carb. I mean, somewhere closer to fifty to eighty carbs a day would be it would just be some some carbs. Probably, I mean, if if you ate a hundred and under every day for your whole life, you would have none of the issues. Probably so. Yeah. Probably, yeah. like most people. And then you could tweak it could. from there and start following your own macros, macros and see what your cat. I mean, there's plenty of. But if you were raised with, but... and 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 brought up in a way where you were never really going over a hundred, right? You would have no problems. Yeah. You wouldn't be insulin resistant. You would be insulin sensitive, probably. I mean, genetics absolutely play a part, and oh, that's yeah. why it isn't for everybody. And um, you know, people have huge problems with. Eth there's ethical issues yes. around eating animals, Absolutely. and I was going to ask you about and, that. And you know, a bunch of bunch of that stuff that's really fascinating to me when you actually start looking into. The, it's yeah. really and is incredible. there not? I mean, is there not some secondary concern? Because I feel like, oh, if you get to eat ribeye all the time, there must be some. You, you know, you feel like, wait a second, you're telling me I get to eat a ton of ribeye and bacon. There, there must mm -hmm. be some catch. So that may, and maybe there is mm -hmm. a different one. Not, I don't believe it's the general part of the metabolism. I think will function well, but perhaps you get colon cancer or something. I don't know. I don't know. I, but, I know. don't believe that. I, I don't. Um, I don't believe that for two reasons. One is I, I've literally looked into trying to find actual data. Random controlled trials, studies showing the adverse effects of these things. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that something that we've been eating for however long you think man has been around, the, the most thing we've been eating, 
could be bad for us. Yeah. I just don't, I don't, I don't see how that's possible. Like there's a difference that in. It's a natural thing that's just out there that we didn't make. We didn't, we made, if you want to actually look at what we made, we made most modern fruits and vegetables that you buy at the store right now. Man made those. Like, didn't like breeding them like dogs and yep, having absolutely. little chihuahuas or For the highest sugar stuff. content, for the highest yep. carbohydrate content. Because that's, that's what we made. It tastes the best. It's, so it's in a sense artificial. And it's the mo- make the most money off of. Right. It's got, it's bigger. I make more money. Big gala apple, um, whatever. So all of it, literally, all of it was somehow, you know, bred through whatever you call that. I don't know. I just read a thing about that recently. It's it's just I'm not demonizing any of that stuff yeah. either. Yeah, when well, I that's say a, that. Oh, but what I'm saying love, is people that people get is, really, really, really mad if you tell them fruit is you should avoid some fruit. You know, like I, oh, you. Oh, cr- I know. Yeah, they do, you know it's fine. Whatever. But that's just counts your macros you fit it in how you why, want to but. why were why do we think that ribeyes must be bad for you well, why i make do a we distinction there because if you say that thing about listening to your body and if you ate whatever you thought was good then you obviously eat a lot of sugar because it tastes good too so you can't just say ribeye is well it is so gratifying and decadent feeling to me so it must be bad uh, if not then neither is sugar because i sure do like it but the difference being one is natural, and the other mm-hmm. is 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 not really natural mm-hmm. in the same sense. Yeah. Like if you found a pig uh, sitting, you know, prehistoric man. Uh, this is the way I like to t- tell the story of barbecue. I at least read it somewhere. But you know, there's a, a <laughs> wild boar who, on the edge of a forest fire whose body has not yet been yeah. consumed by the fire, but has been roasting there at 200 degrees all day. And you stumble <laughs> upon that in the woods. That's that's some good stuff. Just yeah. just as you stick your hand down there, a stick, and eat yeah. what that is, and it's it, you're programmed to love that. Yeah, and that's yeah. really really natural in a way that Starburst are not. Now Starburst, are, yeah. I, I'm very wildly attracted to also, but we yes. had to synthesize those to to get that yeah. to get that one. So at least out of the even if you're listening to your body, the ones that are in the natural fatty things are the are the things mm-hmm. that you know you certainly are programmed for that, and it's not you're not messing mm-hmm. with it when I fire up my smoker, all I'm doing is putting an animal on some heat for a period of time. Okay, give me a little salt. I'm good. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the take... I, I This is the most I've ever talked about it in any, especially kind of public mm-hmm. forum, because I'm, I'm hesitant to talk mm-hmm. about it, because people really have... Really get bent out of shape. I know. They really and they really get upset and really concerned. Well, what about the animal and oh, the ethics and the so, you know the vegetarian? There's the new Netflix documentary that people keep telling yeah. me to watch, and I haven't yet, but I probably will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, there's the and, you know there's always been people that are super bat, low on lactose mm-hmm. and dairy and all these mm-hmm. things being unnatural. You wouldn't feed. You wouldn't put. You, you know, we only do dairy for a few months when somebody's an infant, and why would you ever touch it after that? Like that's a mm-hmm. pure thought yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. I understand that, mm-hmm. but. Um, I actually don't eat a lot of dairy other than butter anymore. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, so but it, but it's just because of how it makes me feel. I don't have any ethical issues with it. Do you have no concerns with animal uh, either ethics or? Of course, I I want. Um, I'm gonna get roasted for this. I want animals to be treated well. I I want us to be good stewards of them. I am very more in touch with the sacrifice they literally make so that I can eat them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to be more aware of that and not just, uh, this is a chunk of something in a store. But think about the fact that it was a live thing, an animal. 
I try to embrace that and think about that more I because I want to be able to be real about what it is I'm doing. I think that mo- I think a lot of big industrial farms probably could be better. I don't I'm not an expert on it. I don't know a lot about it. You hear a lot of stuff about how bad it is for the environment. You and I've recently heard a lot of stuff about how it could be improved and really not be very bad for the environment and maybe even be better than a lot of crops are. That's a whole there's this other guy who's really cool that's really into um livestock and ruminants and stuff. I don't obviously I don't have I don't think I should I've been a vegetarian. I was a vegetarian for years actually. And I was a vegan for a year total. Um and I just actually when I was a vegetarian is when I got the most weight. When I put the most weight on. Mm-hmm. It's when I got the fattest. And then I did a vegan diet where I lost a bunch of weight, but I felt horrible. And then as soon as I stopped doing it, I gained like all of it back and then some really quickly. So just experientially for you, I mean, this just kind of works. So how, what else yeah. can you do? Like if you, no, look, at, I mean, if you it, look at your health, your heart's only going to last so long the other way. So it's just, if, and that's not prescriptive. That's just your experience, which is totally yeah. different, you know? Yeah, and that's you know that's the takeaway from this whole thing for me. This this is what's working for me right now. I'm thriving, and I wasn't thriving before. Um, You're open to where to and, go next, but it's so yeah, fun. but you know it's working for me. And I can be obsessive about this the way that I am about other things, and that's no good either. You know, I I, I want to be balanced and. You know, I'm not trying to live forever or anything. I don't have any misconceptions about why. You know, this is a quality of life thing for me. I want to be here and be present and be available, you know. And the way, the path I was going on, I wasn't going to be, you know. And I've, I've had that a few times in my life with other things like drinking and smoking and all this stuff. And I feel like I dodged a giant, huge cannonball <laughs> a couple times, you know. And I'm just very grateful about that. But, you know, I, I try to not get preachy about it. If people want to talk about it, I get really excited. And, and my wife is like, oh, thank God you have someone to talk to about it. Because I'm sick of hearing about it every day, all day long. <laughs> but, um, no, she's incredibly tolerant she messaged me about barbecue so sauce nerdy. the other day to making a oh, barbecue yeah. sauce with no sugar and i was telling her to make try to, did you try the alabama white sauce have you made that do you like that i haven't made it yet i did a carolina mm-hmm. the gold. oh the mustard one's what she was talking i about. did a mustard with a little bit of tomato and i used that swerve stuff and it is oh yeah bananas dude. the white it sauce is, so is my good. favorite thing to eat in the world is get just a whole grill of chicken wings and smoke them it doesn't even take long like 45 minutes on low heat and then make a it's a mayonnaise-based, mayonnaise vinegar-based yeah. barbecue yeah. sauce to put yeah. on those smoked wings. It's just, it's my favorite yeah. thing. But I think I'm going to make a ribeye tonight, and I bet some other people will too uh, in the broiler. I'm, yeah. I'm, I think I'll do that tonight, actually. Yeah, you got to tweak the time on that too. It depends on how thick it is. 
but you just three to four minutes aside mm-hmm. is pretty good. And it depends on how. And it depends I mean, on I how like, you like I, it. Medium. I rare shoot for medium rare. Or do you do temperatures? Yeah. You, you <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, I can. I was. Oh, I did do these three inch ribeyes. Mm-hmm. Reverse seared? Have you done that yet? Reverse sear is where you sear it first and then cook it on low heat. No, after. you sear it later. Sear it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you, I, you, I, t- I went to Whole Foods and had them cut me these two three inch ribeyes, mm-hmm. and they were kind of like, you really want them that thick? And I was like, yeah. And it was expensive. I mean, this was for a big meal. It was like a special occasion, and uh, twenty dollars a and pound. Twenty four ninety nine a pound. <laughs> it was like a hundred bucks worth of steak. <laughs> But it was a bunch of people. It was it was a holiday. I forget what holiday. But you do it at like two. You do it as low as you can. Mm-hmm. 200, 225. Mm-hmm. With 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 a that my barbecue thermometer in the middle of one of them. Yeah. Until you hit your target temp, right? One twenty five or something. I hit about one twenty five. Yeah. Pull them out. Let them rest. And then you sear them as hot as you can, yeah. and you just eat them. Yeah. You don't have to let them rest after you sear them. But it's literally like a cross between ribeye and prime rib. It's just un mm-hmm. because there's this the whole thing is uniform. Little bit of char red. and then all yeah. the same color. It's all the all same the way color the all the way through. Yeah, it's right. crazy. And people say on that one that uh you know, it's the it's the conventional wisdom says you sear it first to hold in the juices, but that's yeah, not that's true. That's a not myth, so. true. Yeah. yeah, that's like talk to Elton Brown about that. Right. He he says it's a total myth. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Good. That's good. That's what I'm going to eat tonight. I won't take any more time on this today, but I know we could go a lot longer. There's a bunch of other stuff I wanted to talk about too, but good news. We'll do it again. This is free yeah. to listen to and for us to make, and I enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed doing yeah. it. So uh, thank you Me for coming too. on, and uh, I don't think we need any disclaimers. I think you represent really well as far as being super personal and not techie cool. and not conspiracy and none of that stuff. So yeah. I think what you're saying is um, – it's, it's hard to argue with from your experiential standpoint, which I think is the interesting one because now it's not like telling people keto exists or carbs are bad. I'm actually happy because those things are in the pop culture. So now yeah. there's room to kind of just discuss some stuff in, in the middle of it and let people be in charge of their own diet and health. And that's that's more important than listening to dietary guidelines from even any doctor, honestly, uh, or, or, or a doctor talking to a population. So it's really... Your metabolism and your health is an individual thing that you're going to have to figure out, um, mm-hmm. and you can you know you can take that from a lot of different places. But uh, I just you know I get a lot of people whenever I talk about this give a lot of positive. You know the scary thing about it to me is is it is big influence, especially when you start talking about something like food. I promise you, there's lots of people who will eat ribeye tonight just because yeah. we talk. I talked about McDonald's <laughs> on the Bad Christian Pod last week, and I've gotten dozens and dozens of messages. People telling me they've been eating McDonald's ever since I talked good about it. So I, I take it seriously to talk about stuff like this because out of all the things that have influence over people, this one is absolutely true. It is absolutely real. And I put a little bit of gravity with it because I, I, what if we're wrong? I don't know. Like what, I, Who knows? So don't blame me, but if you're unhealthy, you have more more reason to try something that may yeah. seem um, a little bit obnoxious on its on yeah. its face, is all I would say. Yep. Agreed. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Aaron. Appreciate thank it. You, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Awesome. See ya. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor. 
And every week, I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.